Okay, we are on session four today in our series, Living by Faith, Women Who Trusted God. And our subject today, or our session today, is Abigail, yes. Intervening Faith. Yes. Okay. All right, so let's, as we usually begin, with the first question. And that is, how do you respond when you hear it's none of your business? Back off? Okay. Back off. Become silent. Ashamed. Okay. Offended. Offended. Mm-hmm. Ashamed, embarrassed. Yeah. All of okay. the above. All of the above. Okay, let's look at Bible Meets Life, page 49. It's always good to have someone in your corner. Emma has Molly. Emma is a family dog. She's a small Yorkie poo who's naive, carefree, and often unaware of her surroundings. Molly is the other dog in our family. She's the nanny for our family because she makes sure everyone is where he or she needs to be. Even making stops at night to ensure we're all in our beds. (laughs) Molly is a comforter, but she is also a protector. When we moved to a house with a large, unfenced lot, both dogs began exploring their new territory. One of our neighbor's 60-pound dogs ran over to meet five-pound Emma and Molly sprang into action, positioning herself directly between the smaller Emma and the imposing and curious bigger dog. Molly is not a big dog herself, but she willingly put herself in harm's way in order to protect Emma. Some might think it's none of our business if we choose to be like Molly and try to prevent a conflict from escalating. One woman in the Old Testament, though, showed us that we can make a positive difference when we do. Okay. So we all need to know that someone is for us, right? Oh, yes. Someone is in our corner looking out for our best interests. We all need to know that. Yes. Right? That gives us some kind of assurance. What is the point? Honor Christ by stepping in to help resolve conflict. Okay. Society encourages us to live and let live and mind your own business that's what security that's what society reminds us of even the bible exhorts us not to be busybodies or stick our noses in everybody else's affairs right now we see that in scripture right all right but the bible also calls us to support one another and that often means intervening when someone is about to cause harm or problems or trouble or difficulties that will have a sort of devastating effect on the long term. Christians cannot sit idly by uh, without doing anything. You know, by, our, by the nature of a believer, we are to get involved. So, it is uh, James uh, 4.17 says, So it is sin to know good and yet not do it. It is sin to know good and yet not do it. So if you know what is right to do and you don't do it, 
What, is, what does James say that is? Sin. That's sin. Abigail is an example of how to intervene with humility. To intervene with humility. So we are reminded that we shouldn't be busy bodies. But the Bible calls us to support one another. So there's a there's a thin line between that, and we're going to see from Abigail's life what that thin line is, and uh, and how we are to walk it. Father, we thank you for this topic today. Uh, uh, it's one that we need to be reminded of, and we pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom and discernment uh, to be able to interf- intervene in conflict situations and and, uh, and avert. Uh, greater problems. We commit this time to you in your word, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Okay, we got a couple of passages to read, but before we do, let me give you the setting. As Israel was moving from a tribal confederation to a strong nation, Samuel anointed two kings of Israel. Saul first, later David. Samuel died. 1 Samuel 25, 1. David had his 600 men camped in the wilderness area of Paran near Maon, about seven to eight miles from south of Hebron. Nabal, a very rich man, and his wife Abigail had thousands of sheep and goats being shared in Carmel. That's a background for the setting. Uh, or the setting for what we're gonna what we're gonna get into. So let's look at the first passages we have. First right. Samuel twenty five. Go ahead. Two three fourteen seventeen. Go. Ahead. A man in Maon had a business in Carmel. He was a very rich man with three thousand sheep and one thousand goats, and was sharing his sheep in Carmel. The man's name was Nabal, and his wife's name Abigail. The woman was intelligent and beautiful, but a man, a Calabite, was harsh and evil in his dealings. One of Nabal's young men informed Abigail, Nabal's wife, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed at them. The men treated us very well. When we were in the field, we weren't harassed, and nothing of ours was missing the whole time we were living among them. They wore a wall around us, both day and night. The entire time we were with them, herding the sheep. Now consider carefully what you should do, because there is a certain, because there is certain to be trouble for our master and his entire family. He is such a worthless fool; nobody can talk to him. <laughs> what a contrast between this husband and wife. While Abigail was intelligent and beautiful, Nabal was harsh and evil. In other words, Abigail was leather-headed, while her husband was a knucklehead. <laughs> this may sound like a classic case of opposites who are trapped, but in Eastern culture, it was more likely their marriage was arranged. Abigail probably didn't have a say in her marriage to Nabal, whose name literally means fool. This man, not only was he stupid, but the Hebrew words suggest he was unable to recognize God's voice. He fed neither God nor man, and he was someone who relied on himself rather than on God. By contrast, Abigail was intelligent. This was more than book smarts. 
The Hebrew word for intelligent is tied to good. Abigail was, all, was able to discern what was true and right, and that was also coupled with insight on how she should act. Throughout scripture, wisdom and understanding are found hand in hand. Solomon wrote, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline, Proverbs 1, 7. Wisdom is found in the proper fear of the Lord, while understanding is wisdom in practice. Beginning in verse 14, we discover Abigail was a woman others could trust when they needed help. David had heard Nabal was sharing sheep in Carmel, an occasion that occurred twice a year. These were festive events that usually called for plenty of food and supplies. David sent some of his men to offer greetings, hoping for some kind of gift in return for protection they had provided to Nabal's shepherds in the wilderness. Instead, Nabal sent them back to David with nothing, a sign of selfishness and, self, self, selfishness and foolishness. David's reaction was not good. His goal became retaliation, revenge on Nabal and his entire family. His kindness to Nabal's man was not being repaid in kind, so in a move that may seem out of character for David, he led about 400 of his men back to what Carmel to pay back evil with harm, Verse Samuel 25, 13. Knowing Nabal would listen, a servant trusted Abigail to intervene. His case for Abigail's intervention had three strong points. One, David's men had treated them well. Two, Nabal's men weren't harassed and nothing was stolen while they were among David's men. Three, David's men protected Nabal's men both day and night. David knew a thing or two about sheep. He had experience in making sure they were protected. So his leadership and his own character were not just concerned with protecting animals, but also with being a shepherd for the people under his charge. Even though David was planning revenge, Nabal's servant revealed David's true character and that of those who served with him. For David to have been driven to retaliation is further evidence that Nabal had gone too far in the way he had dealt with David's men. It would take a wise woman to avoid disaster. Okay, so when we look at uh, verses 2 and 3, we see that the, the first verses of, of this chapter sets the time frame for this event in David's life. Our focus in this lesson is basically on Abigail. The biblical writer described Abigail as intelligent and beautiful, according to verse 3. In the context of this passage, she is asked to intervene to keep David from killing a foolish husband, yeah. as always been described as stupid, <laughs> uh, Nabal. So Abigail honored the Lord by stepping in to resolve the conflict. And when we look on the faithful living map, we see uh, Carmel is here and Maun is here. Uh, so it wasn't a great big distance in between uh, the two places where, where David and his men were. Uh, Nabal and Abigail lived in Maon, about seven to eight miles south of Hebron, a city, a central city in the tribal area of Judah, settled by Caleb. That's where Caleb lived, one of the spies Moses sent out to spy out the land of Canaan and his descendants. Nabal's servants were sharing sheep in Carmel about a mile 
uh, about a mile north of Mayon. And um, this, was, this happened twice, uh, yearly, twice a year, and uh, what they call sheep sharing festivals uh, during the spring and the fall. And these festivals were usually times of feasting and goodwill toward all who protected the sheep. Time of feasting and goodwill between all who protected the sheep. So apparently, Nabal didn't get the memo. No. Okay, about what this this period of time was all about. I guess that's why they call it foolish yeah. or stupid. Because it was a time of the year they did this. Right. Okay, right. it happened every year. So how could he not... Is this main satellite? Yeah, how could he not get it? Okay, it's not a one-time thing. It was not out of the blue that David and his men showed up and requested, you know, the, the assistance from protecting the ship. This is something that happened all the time. Okay, so he was just acting out what his name meant. Um, notice uh, the characteristics of Nabal and, and, and Abigail. Uh, Nabal was harsh and evil. Okay, Nabal's name meant foolish or stupid. All right, boy, you know, in those time, Bible times, names always meant something. So you really had to be very careful what you name your children. Yeah. Okay, because their name is characteristic. And I think that even happens today. Yeah. You know, there are people with certain names, and their characters sort of, you know, demonstrate what their names are. Okay, I guess that's why some people make up names. Um, I, I heard a, a report on the radio whose name was Picella. Guess whose daughter she is? Priceville Forbes. <laughs> okay. Picella. All right. Uh, and what, what people are doing now is they're taking a part of a daddy's name and a mommy's name and making up a name. Nobody knows how to spell it. Yeah. The child can't spell it until they reach college. <laughs> okay. The child can't even spell their name until they reach, probably reach college. Okay. So we notice that Abigail was intelligent and beautiful. The word intelligent also means sensible, prudent, and discreet. And we see that about her in her actions. The biblical writer uh, uh, listed two characteristics of Abigail that we, we see mentioned here. Intelligent and beautiful. Okay. Um, what else we notice about Abigail? She was level-headed. She was level-headed. Okay. <laughs> she was level-headed and others was knuckle-headed. Okay. Most men today. She <laughs> probably put out a lot of fire. She didn't even realize that, you know, she intervened. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, the Sheep Sharing Festival, mentioned in verse 4. Uh, David sent his men uh, to ask Nabal if, uh, if they could join the celebration as his guests uh, since David's men had provided help and assistance and uh, Nabal insulted him. Uh, and, and, uh, and of course, David didn't take that too well. Okay, question number two. What makes some people approachable when you have a problem? A humble spirit. A humble spirit. Okay. 
Okay, their receptiveness, their character, how their they respond, their countenance. They calm too. Some people they're ready to row. So like a calm person. <laughs> they calm. You can deal with them. <laughs> okay. Next we will see Abigail's swift action and humble appeal to David. Let's look at the next passage. When, Dave, when Abigail saw David, she quickly got off the donkey and knelt down with her face to the ground and paid homage to David. She knelt at his feet and said, The guilt is mine, my lord, but please let your servant speak to you directly. Listen to the words of your servant. My lord should pay no attention to this worthless fool, Nabal, for he lives up to his name. His name means stupid, and stupidity is all he knows. <laughs> I, your servant, didn't see my lord's young men whom you sent. Now, my lord, as surely as the lord lives, and as you yourself live, it is the lord who kept you from participating in bloodshed and avenging yourself by your own hand. May your enemies and those who intend to harm my lord be like Nabal. Let this gift your servant has brought to my lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive your servant's offense, for the Lord is certain to make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because he fights the Lord's battles. Throughout your life, may evil not be found in you. Hmm. Abigail's encounter with David is one of the most remarkable encounters between a man and a woman in scripture. Some might even call it scandalous in light of their culture. Yet... Abigail approached the situation with wisdom, humility, resourcefulness, generosity, and courage. She quickly prepared a large amount of food, the gift Nabal should have given in the first place. Her actions demonstrated the wealth of her household and the ability to provide these resources. Then, as soon as she saw David, Abigail humbled herself before him, <laughs> even before she spoke. Bowing before David showed humility and respect, as well as a plea for mercy. It was only after establishing her humility before him that she spoke. As she spoke, Abigail did three notable things. First, she interceded on behalf of her husband. In her confession, Abigail implied that she should have been watching out for her husband's welfare. Knowing Nabal's character, or lack thereof, <laughs> Abigail accepted the blame for her husband's acts. Secondly, she asked for forgiveness. Even as she accepted the blame for Nabal's offense, she asked for forgiveness. She backed up her request with a generous gift, the food and provisions that her husband earlier denied. Thirdly, she prophetically revealed David's destiny. Abigail shared her understanding of God's purpose and plan for David to become the ruler over Israel. She encouraged David to avoid bloodshed. Her prophetic voice expressed not only her own wisdom, but also God's care and direction for David's life and the future of Israel. Abigail softened David's heart and his desire for retaliation. By taking responsibility for her husband's actions, Abigail deflected David's anger. Knowing the Lord had chosen David as the next king, she encouraged David to put the incident in perspective of his greater future. If David stooped to Nabal's level, 
it could jeopardize his future as well as the future of Israel. In verses 29 to 31, Abigail pointed to a future when, by doing the right thing now, David would not have to look back on this moment as a dark blot on his life. Next page. Next page. Since ancient times, treaties have been crucial tools for diplomacy between nations. The Treaty of Paris, signed in 1783, ended the American Revolutionary War. It not, it not only helped establish the United States, but it did so with many favorable terms. The negotiations convinced the British that a strong and prosperous America would be in their best interest against the French, which later enabled the U.S. to expand westward. Abigail's mediation would confirm David's future as well as her own. Conflict is inevitable, but God seeks to use godly and wise people to intervene and bring reconciliation in the midst of conflicts. You likely will not be called to negotiate on behalf of your country, but each of us has the ability to be an intercessor to those around us. Every believer can be an intercessor through prayer, yes. but we also may be called to be a humble mediator for others. Ooh, now you finish. Okay. <laughs> All right. So previously, uh, we have seen. Uh, uh, we have seen of Abigail's character traits, that is intelligent, knowledgeable, trustworthy, generous, conciliatory, and decisive. Now, this verse reveals she is also, she also was humble, respectful, brave, and bold also. Okay, in, Israel's, in, Israel, in Israelite society, for a wife to kneel before anyone other than her husband was an unusual act of bravery and boldness. Yeah. But notice her, 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 her uh, humility, her acts of humility, mm -hmm. as mentioned. She knelt down with her face to the ground yeah. and paid homage to David, verse 23. Yes. Okay, she knelt at his feet yes. as she addressed him, verse 24. So kneeling indicated the position of an inferior person in the presence of a superior person. Yes. Her actions revealed great, tremendous respect for David. And uh, it, it, it redirected, uh, redirected his anger, as was mentioned. Uh, notice um, <coughs> question number three. Yes. When have you seen humility or respect diffuse a growing conflict? Anybody ever seen that? Oh, yeah. yeah. When have you seen that? In the meetings. Like when, um, it's almost like it was like a debate. Mm -hmm. And you could see the conflict was rising and someone stepped in and mediated. Okay. To diffuse. Mm. I don't think I've ever seen that. Mess. Sometimes you have to take the blame, too. Sometimes you'll take the blame. Okay, don't worry about that. I caused it. Let's just get over this. My bad. <laughs> like it's like okay, you know what I mean. You just take, you just take the blame, and you just sort of be like diffuse okay. it, like how she did, and say, well, hey, listen, you know, hey, mm. let's try to move on. So this kind of thing. But I'll take the blame. Let's just get over this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, 
When we were crossing the border once, um, when we lived in Ontario, we had come from visiting my family in Alabama. It was before Christmas, so we had um, their Christmas gifts with us. They were all wrapped. Mm -hmm. And we made the mistake of not having a list from them of what was in the packages and how much they were worth. Because at that time, we had to declare it all. And so as we crossed the border and they said, do you have anything? Well, yeah, we have Christmas gifts. Okay, pull over. And so the officer, um, I went to the bathroom because I knew it was going to happen. I didn't want to see the gifts. Mm. So I went to the bathroom <laughs> so I went down to see them. And uh, he, my husband and the officer were together and he said, you know, can you open your trunk and you know show me something my husband did. And he said, well, what's in this one? My husband said, I don't know. And he said, well, let me see. So he opened it up and he goes, well, this is what it is. And he said, how much is it worth? My husband said, well, they garage sale. So this is um, probably worth five dollars. He goes, well, I don't think I think it's worth a lot more. And so, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the next one, and that again, they had conflict. You know, my husband knew there's no way they spent that kind of money because that's not what we do. So anyway, after the second one, my husband said, um, you know what, officer, um, I whatever you decide is fine with me. You're the one who is a professional here. You've seen a lot, so whatever you say, it's mm. fine with me. You just tell me what you think it's worth, and we'll go with it. So that's how they did the rest of the gifts. Mm. And it all worked out fine, and the guy started backing down with all these big amounts. Mm. He, was, pay he was reasonable. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, oh yeah, we had to pay Judy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Over. So, anyway, you know, the Lord used my husband... Humbling himself before the guy and just yes. saying, forget it, you know, whatever whatever you think. In a nice way, he didn't, he wasn't sarcastic. And it was yeah. Christmas. Let him feel in charge. <laughs> Let him feel in charge. <laughs> and you yeah. down Sometimes, and sometimes they need okay. to feel in charge. Feel in charge. Don't challenge them. Yeah, yeah sometimes they need to feel that way. <laughs> One of the things we notice about this, uh, this, this dialogue is uh, this verse begins the longest speech of any woman in the Old Testament. 153 words in all, wow. verses tw- and that's in Hebrew. In Hebrew, 153 words in all, from verses 24 to 31. Okay, so we can see the, the intensity of the situation here uh, that um, uh, Abigail was trying to diffuse. Uh, notice a couple of things uh, about Ab- that Abigail did. Uh, first, she interceded on behalf of her husband, because he was just stupid to know what was going on, uh, as she said, okay, and then she asked for forgiveness uh, for him. Why would husband Okay, because anything that happened to him would affect her too. Yeah. All right, so she asked for forgiveness, and then she prophetically revealed David's destiny. Wow. Only God could have orchestrated that. Yes. Okay, because how would she know that? So we know that God was interceding here. God was orchestrating. God was being sovereign here. And this, and, and using Abigail the way that he did. Yes. Uh, a couple of other things about Abigail's uh, words to David. She assumed the blame for her husband's words. Okay, whatever he said, she assumed. She don't know what he said, but she assumed whatever he said. Uh, she assumed the blame for it. And she asked David to pay no attention to Nabal, a worthless fool who lives up to his name, which means stupid. All right? So she told David, that man, he's, he's, he's a piece of work. Okay? Don't pay no attention to him. Okay? And then uh, things would have been different 
if uh, she had been there to meet David's men when they originally came, uh, because she would have, she would have, you know, responded differently, and uh, and, and David would not have to get his four hundred men and strap on their swords and build up his anger and all that stuff, because she would have responded differently if she had been there. And so the Lord kept David from taking part in bloodshed and avenging himself, and that's what she mentioned to him as well. All right, so uh, she played a pivotal role in intervening yes. and resolving an issue that could have well gone, uh, gotten out of control. Question number four, how can we know whether it's best to intervene in a conflict or to stay out? <laughs> Or manual this is for another yeah. <laughs> Betting on the situation. Okay, Ask you evaluate the situation, right? Yeah. Ask for discernment. Yes. Ask for discernment. Okay, because we've heard stories of many people who tried to intervene and they lost their lives. Yeah. Yeah, they lost their lives. Yeah. Okay, so it's when it comes to two believers, though, you know you're on solid ground being a mediator, peacemaker within the body of Christ. So. If I was in the midst of a couple of people who were, you know, you could see the tension was right. It's right to ask the Lord to help and step in and not let it get bigger. Right. Okay, so discernment. Yes. Pray. Ask yes. the Lord for, for guidance yes. and direction and wisdom on how to proceed. Next, we will see David's response to Abigail's humility and gracious words. Uh, chapter 32 to 35. I want to take that one. Then David... <laughs> I think you were first. <laughs> then David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who sent you to meet me today. May your discernment be blessed and may you be blessed. Today you kept me from participating in bloodshed and avenging myself by my own hand. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord God of Israel lives, who prevented me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, Nabal wouldn't have had any males left by morning light. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Terrible. Then David accepted what she had brought him and said, Go home in peace. See, I have heard what you said and have granted your request. Immediately, Abigail's generosity and eloquence of speech penetrated the heart of David. She gave away part of the family fortune, acted as a person of peace, and saved the day for everyone. Challenged by Abigail's words, David responded with a threefold blessing. One, David blessed the Lord for working in Abigail's heart and sending her to him. Two, David blessed Abigail's discernment. He praised her for her perceptiveness and good judgment. Three. Three? Go ahead. No. Three. <laughs> David blessed Abigail for stepping in and preventing him from participating in bloodshed and avenging himself. God would act on behalf of both Abigail and David. He would be the avenger of Nabal's foolishness by striking him dead days later, 1 Samuel 25, 37 38. This reminds us God will bring justice in his time. Yes. He will act on our behalf when we follow him, Romans 12, 17-19. God's people must, must pursue peaceful living and reconciliation, 
understanding our differences, and asking for forgiveness whenever conflict exists. One of the most popular topics at women's conferences is how to handle conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. Women crowd into breakout rooms searching for biblical answers to conflict, whether it occurs at home, work, or church. So many believers want to live at peace with one another and are willing to do whatever it takes to protect and preserve unity. When unity happens among God's people, he is glorified and the body of Christ is strengthened. If you are seeking reconciliation or a peaceful resolution to conflict you cause, consider these steps. 1. Address those you offended as soon as possible. Don't make excuses and use the words if, but, or maybe. 2. Express sorrow for the way you've affected someone. 3. Ask for forgiveness. 4. Accept the consequences. 5. Commit to changing harmful habits and alter your behavior. If you're praying about how to handle conflicts that someone else has imposed on you, consider the following. Pray for wisdom and discernment. Like Abigail, we must know how and when to respond to others. Yes. Pray for truth to become evident. Abigail learned the truth from one of Nabal's men and took decisive action. Pray for spiritual eyes to see the real enemy. Abigail knew David wasn't an enemy, but a protector of her family's property. Pray for everyone involved. Pray that confession and repentance would be markers of real change. Abigail wasn't at fault for Nabal's actions, but she sought David's forgiveness. Pray that your family would not be harmed in the process of reconciliation. David blessed Abigail and brought her into a safe home following Nabal's death. Pray for God to be glorified. It was God who brought Abigail to David, and it was God who was honored when David proclaimed, Blessed be the Lord who championed my cause against Nabal's insults. 1 Samuel 25, 39. Okay. Uh, there's a list. Let me give you this. Uh, oh, wow. This is called um, Apostles of Steps to Reconciliation. Uh, one, of the, one of the major things that I've seen... Um, during times when I've, when I've uh, been uh, a witness to resolution conflict, uh, basically among church leaders, is that two-letter word, if. Yeah. That two-letter word. You know a person has been offended, and the person who, made the, who, who caused the offense would say to the person who was offended, if I offended you, I'm sorry. It's obvious that person has been offended because you wouldn't be in that situation. And that prolonged the conflict. And it made it even worse because the person said, if I offend you, I apologize. It's obvious that the person was offended. And so that, that two-letter word has been a very, very strong word of contention in terms of resolution uh, resolving conflict. And so we would be advised in this uh, passage where it says, don't use the word if. Okay. Why that word if in any conflict resolution? Uh, so we have uh, this uh, steps to reconciliation, uh, one for the offender and one for the offended. And it would be good to keep this on hand, keep it nearby, uh, familiarize yourself with it, refer to it from time to time, keep it in your personal study guide, and try to become familiar with those steps. You may be the offender one time, or another time you may be the offended. And here are some steps in terms of how we are to respond. 
I'm not going to go through it because our time is basically gone here. Uh, but we want to give you that to take with you and uh, refer to it from time to time. Question number five. What does question number five say? What lessons can you learn from Abigail as we seek to make peace today? What lessons can we learn? Sometimes you can know how to appease, how to appease a person too that might be offended. You got to know how to appease them. Okay. You know how to. She knew the right words to tell him to just diffuse it by appeasing him by saying, "Okay, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you are so great and wonderful." And yeah. Everything. She didn't aggravate the situation and she didn't inflame the situation. Mm-hmm. All right? She took full responsibility. Yeah, humility is always right. The right move. Always humility. Don't ever go in there as a know it all. Okay, uh, stay in Christ's focus in conflict. Yes. Page 456. When conflicts arise at home, at church, or with friends, Keeping a Christ-centered perspective is key. What kinds of attitudes and actions will be evident in a person with a Christ-centered perspective? Having a heart. Having a heart. Okay. Not being heartless. Okay. Or insensitive. Uh, as some people do. They don't. They don't get. The, they don't get the gravity of the situation, and so they have a tendency in acting heartless of it without compassion. Anybody else have an answer to that question? From Just the remembering, like how I used to use the bracelet, what would Jesus do? Just trying to remember that. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what would Jesus do in a situation like this? How would he respond? Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Is another part to it? Go ahead. What steps can you take to cultivate these attitudes and actions in your own life? Okay, so what steps would you take? Listen before reacting. Okay. <laughs> don't be too quick to respond. Yeah. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs, answer, don't answer a fool or you'll become like him. Okay. Uh, and we have a tendency, strong tendency to answer people uh, who are being foolish yeah. in their actions. You know, uh, but Proverbs says, yeah, don't answer a fool or you become, in other words, don't stoop to his level. Yeah. Okay. You can back down sometimes, so you don't always have to be right and have the last say. Sometimes it's best not to respond at all. Yeah, yeah. no. Okay, right. if you don't respond at all, then you you don't uh, uh, aggravate the situation. When they get tired, they'll stop. I had a neighbor like that the other day. He got out there and he started hustling and carrying on and cursing and all. You know, and just had to listen to him. When he got tired, he stopped. Nobody responded. No one responded. You know, and I, you could tell he was getting aggravated because he was tired. He said, I could do this. I could do that. I could, you know? Yeah, so let's look at Live It Out. 57. Honor Christ this week by asking him to help you develop a faith that intervenes in potential conflict situations so that you can preserve, so that you can, yeah, preserve unity and keep the peace. Three points. Pray. Pray. Give permission and step in. First of all, pray. Pray for, the, for, for someone in your life who is dealing with conflict. Yes. Ask the Lord to intervene. And then he may use you to be the intervention tool. Give permission. Give someone permission to step in whenever you are on the verge of a bad decision. And then step in. 
Is the Lord asking you to intervene for someone else? Spend time reading scripture that mentions unity in the body and pray for God to give you humility as you meditate. Mediate. Oh, mediate. As you mediate. Okay. All right. So uh, we are reminded that uh, we are to be influential and take initiative to intervene in conflict situations and um, pray for discernment and take the necessary precautions when those circumstances uh, confront us. Amen? Amen? Okay, let's pray. Father, grant us wisdom and courage to act when we find ourselves in potential conflict situations as we may be accustomed to do so from time to time. We thank you, Lord, for this reminder and for the counsel that you give us in this lesson today. We pray your blessings upon us as we leave this building, but not your presence. And we pray for the service to follow and all those who will be ministering in spoken word and in song. Continue to get glory for yourself, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.